0: Hour two of the program getting underway on this Thursday edition of Sportsnet. Today, it's Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Crack foundation, Boeing foundation walls. Doug Lacey's Basement Systems have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things Basement Team. Visit dlbasementsystems.com alongside Azam, Cam, Intern Callum along with us. The busy hour one. Stanley Cup final chat I had a game three tonight. Also heard from our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. Still to come this hour. We'll have a Stamps report with you. Patty Dumas going to join us. Get you set for the Stamps and the Lions. Kicking off the CFL season tonight at McMahon Stadium. But we're kicking off Hour 2, continuing a conversation that we've had throughout most of the week, ever since this three-team trade went down between the Flyers, the Kings, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, we dove into it yesterday from a Columbus perspective with Aaron po- Aaron Portsline of The Athletic, and now to get a look at it from the Philadelphia Flyers point of view, very happy to go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Welcome in Bill Meltzer, uh, who joins us this afternoon. Bill, thanks for doing this today. How are you?
1: Uh, my pleasure. I'm doing well. How about you guys?
0: We're doing great. Thank you. Uh, I guess just take us back a, a couple of days. Now the flyers part of this big three team trade to kick off the NHL's busy offseason. What was your initial reaction when you got the final reading as to what this deal looked like?
1: Well, you know, the, the flyers are, are very much in rebuild mode. Um, Danny Breer has made no bones about the fact that the team is rebuilding. Um, John Tortorella said, quite often in the latter part of the season and, and, uh, and again, after the season that the team was going to subtract um, over the next year or two, but before they added. Um, so, and Provorov's got Provorov is a guy whose name has been out there regardless. So the fact that Provorov was traded and um, the, all the internal speculation that uh, maybe Ivan would kind of kind of come unhappy in Philadelphia and totally was certainly wouldn't uh, be opposed to being moved elsewhere. You know, you'd be kind of welcome if that came up. So it wasn't surprised that Ivan was dealt, but it was more the timing. Usually you see these kind of deals, not during the Stanley cup finals. <laughs> you usually see that right, right. You know, a lot of times on the draft on draft day yeah. or right before the draft. So so the timing uh, caught me a little bit off guard, but the more I thought about it, you know, the, uh, the flyers, the flyers, for the flyers within this is entirely all about the future. And, um, in rebuilding and in light of the fact that they've really, they've really stripped mind a lot of their top end draft picks in recent years, uh, they traded a first round pick to get Rasmus with the line in, uh, they traded second round picks in, uh, well, that, that trade and in the, uh, Shane spare trade, and also in getting Tony D'Angelo last year. So, they, did, they really depleted in terms of second-round picks, and they were able to pick up an additional first-round pick this year on top of, on top of the two second-round picks. So uh, I, th- I think Breyer kind of saw that this is along the lines of what we need to get back for, for Provorov and willing to take a step backwards in the short term um, because the Flyers' blue line truthfully, was pretty thin and, and kind of suspect. And they just they just removed how you know removed the top pairing guy who never misses games. Yeah. Um. So, so the the hope here is that uh, whatever step they take backwards in the short term, hopefully they make up for. They got they got to get the first round pick right this year. They have two of them in the first round, and then moving forward they got to they got to nail some of these other picks they they acquired. And it's also probably not the last thing they're going to do this offseason. I think I think there's more to come. So I, I think that um, the Flyers have shown that they're willing to be a lottery team for the next few years, and uh, you know, and, and putting a lot of trust in, in getting it right with the picks and development side too. They've uh, they also they also kind of overhauled the development staff too. So that's uh, it's all in that same direction.
0: Without knowing what that those picks turn into, Bill, how would you sort of? grade out what uh, the first move for Danny Briere as the GM looked like. Would if you we were, were always in that instant reaction world nowadays of you know whether it's a letter grade or a win loss. How would you sort of grade out that first major transaction for Danny as GM
1: I, well I don't give a letter grade. I'd give it an A okay. minus. Um, not a, not a, not a full on A because uh the Flyers had to take on a couple salaries here. Cal Peterson more of a salary dump to me than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been, it's been pretty rough for him in LA the last couple of years. If it was an expiring deal. Uh, yeah, okay. You live with it for one year. You maybe you bury it in the AHL for a year um, and, and just, just live with it. But there's two, there's two years at Peterson. Uh, so that, that, that is not ideal, but I, I guess, I guess rare felt that this, he had to do that in order to maximize the return. In terms, in terms of the picks coming back, um, You know, the, a few years ago, the, uh, the Flyers, more than a few years ago, I guess, at this point, but they, they dealt Braden Shen to um, St. Louis, and they got two first-round picks in return, which turned out to be Morgan Frost in 2017 and Joel Farabee in 2018. Um, in an ideal world, maybe you could have picked up a, a first-round pick another year out. But it's also it's also not a secret that uh, Provorov is two years from being unrestricted, and um, it's not looking like he was going to resign in Philly long term. So they so they maximize the return they can get now. So I think I think it's a good solid trade to get to get another first round pick and a deep draft and a couple second rounders. I think that that's about as much as they could expect for assets and immediately, especially because Ivan. Um, even though he did win the team's best defenseman award for the fourth time, uh, had a pretty inconsistent year and has had a couple inconsistent seasons in a row. So I think from a Philly, Philly, Philly standpoint, this is about how well, you know, about as well as they could have done.
0: The immediate uh, buzz as that trade was coming down was what was next for Danny Briere and the Flyers, and the name that seemed to pop up immediately was goaltender Carter Hart, especially when Peterson was part of the return in that three-team trade that. Trade buzz has sort of calmed down around Carter Hart, but it still sounds as though that's a name Danny Briere might be willing to move if the cost is right. How do you uh, re- evaluate what a, a Philadelphia trade with Carter Hart would involve? How does that help the franchise? How does that, you know, would that be perceived by people around the organization if Danny Breer were to pull the trigger on a deal that involved Carter Hart?
1: Well, I, I think that uh, the price is going to be set very high. Um, I think they would also want not only would they want a first-round pick, they want a, a young player in return, some um, an NHL roster guy. I I think that uh, the hope would be that multiple teams would be involved and become a, a bidding war of sorts. Uh, it, at least in recent NHL history, it's been hard to trade goalies, even upper echelon goalies, and, and get a get a really blockbuster return back as important as the goaltending position is um the, the, it, it just seems to work out that way so i think it's going to be hard for philly to get a get a sufficient offer barring some kind of a some, some kind of a bidding war to uh to be to be able to be able to get something back where they would say uh you know it's worth their while to do this um remember they're, they're just lost they just lost their top minutes man and on on defense i mean if you remove your number one goalie too you're really looking at some tough times for for a few years to come. And you're you're banking a lot on the, being able to develop Sam Erson as as a starter on uh, the NHL level. Um you're banking on there's a Russian prospect, uh Alexei Kolosov, who they're they're pretty high on, being able to bring him over and develop him as as potentially as a starter within a few years. All those things are unknown. Um and I thought that Mike McKenna had a really good article today on daily Faceoff, having been Carter's teammate for part of a season in Philly. And also just watching him as a fellow goalie. And, and um, Mike's opinion was that Carter has actually played much better than his numbers look over the last couple of years. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I, I think that other than the, he had a rough season legitimately uh, in, in 2020, 21, um, during amid the pandemic, the shortened season, Carter really struggled in, in his own right. And in the two seasons since then, he's played better than his numbers look. And at times, at times he's played much better than his numbers look, his final numbers look. So uh, I think the Flyers know what they have at him. You you look at his pedigree as a junior goalie. You look at the fact that he was ready for the NHL in, in the quarter of a season as his first year pro. Um, look Look at the fact that he stole a series that they had no I mean the, on paper they they played Mon, they were the favorites playing Montreal in twenty twenty. But players didn't deserve to win that series. They were outplayed. Hart stole that series. Mm-hmm. And and then ultimately the second round he got them within a win of getting to the conference final. Um you know and, and since then it's just been such a down cycle for the team. So I, I think they know what they have in him. But it, it, there gets to be a certain point where maybe a maybe a trade off was so good that you can refuse it and you take whatever short-term pain there is for the for the long-term return. So I, I think that it's not just Carter Hart. I think you could say the same thing, even for Travis connectney If the offer is good enough, they they can, they consider it. Um, Briere said we're open for business. And I think he means it, but, um, but it all, but part of this too is that they're not going to, they're not going to take anything low ball. I don't think they're going to accept less than what they would consider to be fair value in return. so, they got they got that with Provorov. It's going to be harder to do that with Hart, in my opinion.
0: Is there a world where, say, that, that market value that Briere feels isn't coming up to terms on a Hart trade, that they try to work out something where he remains with the team and is their goaltender on the other side of this rebuild, Bill, or is that just looking too far down into the future to say that, that Carter's going to be or going to want to be part of the team that far into the future?
1: It, it's uh, It's a little early um but but I, I think that i wouldn't be surprised if we go another year out and it's the same situation okay that if they more seriously entertain offers because he's uh, he's a restricted free agent this year the year after he'd be the, the arbitration eligible where he only has to take whatever one year award he gets and something's unrestricted so you, the the flyers have leverage right now, they'd have leverage a year from now, but, but the further, the further you go in and you have less leverage. And, and when we had the, the off season exit day interviews, Carter was specifically asked, is this where you want to be long-term? Is this where you would have spent your whole career? And he stopped short of that. You know, he, he talked about how, how uh, the flyers gave him the first opportunity that he, he likes the city, he loves his teammates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he ultimately wants to win. And if this rebuild takes a long time and, and they, tear, they tear down multiple other pieces and it looks like you're looking at three, four years down the line, then, then I think you may very well be looking at a situation where you, you lose hard at some point, unrestricted unless you deal them. So I think that's in the back of their minds. I think another year out it becomes more front of mind, and then, then the year after that it would become urgent.
0: Uh up here uh north of the border Elliot Friedman on SportsNet's uh, Big Hockey Insider this side uh of the border he's talked uh, the last couple of days about what might be next for Danny Briere and the two names that he's mentioned bill have been Kevin Hayes and perhaps Tony D'Angelo. out of those two names who do you think's more likely to be moved by Danny Briere in the next couple of weeks Well I I think
1: there's I think there's more internal urgency to move Kevin Hayes um, because he and uh, he and torts clashed very much this past season. It wasn't, and it wasn't personal. It was hockey, but, uh, but it, it was pretty clear that John Tortorella does not feel that, that Kevin Hayes fits in his long-term vision of the team. Um, they're a team that, that needs help down the middle and Kevin Hayes is a center. Yet he spent much of the season on the wing because Torch was pretty unhappy with Hayes's defensive play and I, I they, they didn't see eye to eye whatsoever. So getting, getting something moved, getting something done this off season, moving him on, I think is is important to the coach and therefore it's important to the organization. So he's the first one I, I think would be moved. Um, now D'Angelo finished the season. I think it was the final five games. He was a healthy scratch and, um, so there's some, clearly some issues there, too, where he's not seeing eye-to-eye to eye with Tortorella. Tortorella has said that uh, he thinks this could be worked out. And remember that D'Angelo was a free agent, unrestricted after the season. So comes in, puts up some numbers, helps the power play, which desperately needs help still. And a um, guy you could maybe move closer to the deadline. They're not going to recoup, I don't think, everything they traded to get him because they traded – Second round, third round, and fourth round picks to, to get the That's a pretty big haul in terms of assets. But I think the uh, the hope is that it it can hold together long enough to move him by the deadline. Whereas Kevin Hayes is Kevin Hayes is also signed for multiple more seasons to come. And I, I think that so I think I think that the organizational priority would be to move Hayes first if they can.
0: Uh, Danny Breer obviously making a big swing with his first move there. I, should Flyers fans be encouraged knowing that you know the GM here has already gotten creative on his first deal to to move out of contract and, and get things moving in the right direction for this rebuild? Would you put a positive spin on it going forward? I know a rebuild is always tough to, to entertain and sell to fans, but has Danny Breer at least set the franchise off in the right direction in your mind with this first move? Uh, I think he has. And one of the criticisms that Chuck Fletcher got
1: was that you know, Chuck's a bright guy. Yeah. Chuck Chuck would also really he would weigh every possibility, and he'd get tons of input. And then Danny's had input too. But sometimes the flyers were a little bit gun shy about pulling the trigger on things, and sometimes opportunities would go by the wayside in the interim. Danny wasted no time here. You know, saw saw direction. They made a bold and quick step. And that's that's one thing that I think that that people in Philadelphia have been calling for, right? If, if you see an opportunity, be aggressive with it. And um, he's done that. So uh, as a first step in terms of what he came in saying he'll do, he's done just that so far.
0: Uh, I guess uh, focus once uh, the Stanley Cup final wraps up here, Bill, for the Flyers will no doubt be uh, looking towards the NHL draft where they hold the seventh overall pick right now. Uh, they obviously have that pick that they acquired too that used to belong to the LA Kings. Uh, what do you think the draft strategy is going to look like for Daniel Briere? Is this going to be uh, you know multiple picks trying to recoup and, and restock the cupboards in Philadelphia, or could there be a a big swing for them in the in the making where they try to say move up or move down in the draft?
1: I think that uh, I think they're most likely to hold on to the number seven. Um, they're should be a pretty good player for them there at seven. Whether mm-hmm. that's whether that's a forward or a defenseman, you might have you might have a run of six forwards to start the draft potentially. So, you know, the, Brent Flair is a believer in, in you know everybody. Every organization de- defines the best available player, so it's it's really you know it's really a nebulous kind of term because everybody defines that differently. You know, his best available player, the the guy with the highest offensive upside. The most complete player, you know, the guy guy who's going to put the gaudiest goal-scoring stats, or or whatever the case might be. So, but I, but I think that the uh, I think that the Flyers are pretty comfortable staying in number seven, and and who who knows because somebody could follow them too. You know, the, everybody has the projected maybe top four, top five, but you never know. Uh, all it takes is one team having. One you know, having a, a guy ranked a little higher than other teams do, and suddenly the guys start to fall on the board a little bit. So I think I think mo- the most likely course is that they'll stay at number seven, and with a 22nd pick, um, I wouldn't be totally shocked if they move up a few spots to pick up uh, to pick up a, a player who they might be concerned won't get the 22nd, or you know, or if we, the board plays out where the guys they want are gone. They can move down a few spots where they could get somebody anyway, you know, maybe three spots, four spots. And it's pretty, pretty equal in their eyes to pick up an extra asset. Um, You know, back when the Flyers, back in 2015 with Ron Hextall, general manager, the Flyers did just that. They moved, they moved up and they got Travis Konechny because they didn't think he was going to fall all the way to where they picked. And they've also, but they've also traded up, traded down rather a few times too. So anything, Anything is on on the board for that, but uh, I, I would not be I wouldn't be shocked if, if they move one way or another from twenty second. Um, but but it's in terms of the top of the draft, I, I think seven is I think they're comfortable staying there.
0: Uh, Bill, last one for you. It's not a long list of RFA's and UFA's uh, ahead of Danny in his first summer of uh, GM moves for the Philadelphia Flyers, but a couple of interesting names in there. And I'm curious uh, what you think of the likes of Cam York, uh, Noah Cage, Morgan Frost. Is there any? Appetite, you think, from the Flyers to get these guys locked up on long-term deals, or would this be more of a bridge situation when it comes to those youngsters?
1: Uh, Of the young players, I I would say the best chance of a longer-term deal would be with Noah Cates. A because Tortorel loves him. Yeah. B because he plays the same. uh, There's a lot of consistency in his game, night after night after night. Um, He's reliable two-way forward. Probably won't put up huge scoring numbers, but He's a guy that they wanna They definitely want to move forward long term with. So uh, the other the other guys, I think it's more of a uh, bridge deal, and those guys bet on themselves to make more in their next contract. Um, you know, Frost actually led the Flyers in scoring over the final 56 games of the season. Uh, he got off to a very slow start, so his final numbers don't look great, but uh, he he really came on from December onward. So that that's a really fascinating one. And, and York came up in in December and pretty darn well but now this season he's going to be counted on uh, with Provorov gone to absorb more minutes more power play time uh i think they want to see how he handles that before they commit long term so i i would say short-term deals for for frost and york are more likely um but you know but there's there is risk of that too because if the guys play the way you hope they do now all of a sudden the next contract becomes that much more expensive there's more risk of walking the right to unrestricted free agency, you know, or within a year of it. Yeah. So, you know, bridges have to have the pros and cons, but I think I think they're more inclined to bridge a lot of these guys.
0: Uh, Bill, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for uh, for hanging out with us for a bit today. Uh, it's been super interesting to see how Danny Briere is taking this, and I'm really intrigued to see what the summer looks like. Thank you again for uh, for making some time for us today.
1: Uh, my pleasure, guys. Have a good summer.
0: Appreciate it. Take care. Bill Meltzer joining us. Down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. He's a Philadelphia Flyers contributor for NHL.com. Joining us uh, to chat about the Flyers role in that three-team trade and what the summer looks like. For Danny Briere. he's been aggressive to start things off. A big move to get Ivan Provorov off the books. He acquires a first-round pick. He takes on some salary from L.A. But look, uh, as we just talked about there, sometimes you got to get creative as a GM if you want to make things happen. Maybe he does the same thing when it comes to guys that Bill mentioned there, Connect Me. Hayes, D'Angelo, Carter Hart. These are all interesting players uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers that could be uh, of interest to other teams over the next couple of weeks. And we'll see just what that looks like. And add in, they pick seventh and now 22nd in the upcoming NHL draft. The Flyers, no doubt, will be a team to watch for over the next couple of weeks. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We're going to finish off the hour with some Stamps chat. It's our first live regular season edition of the Stamps Report. Uh, on a game day against the BC Lions to kick off week one. Patty Dumas joins us next right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, it is finally here. Talked about it for weeks, and tonight is the night. Thursday night football from McMahon Stadium. Your Calgary Stampeders welcoming the BC Lions to kick off the 2023 CFL regular season and, of course, the home schedule for the Calgary Stampeders. It was an offseason of change for the group. There's a new quarterback who now uh, does has the job all to himself and still high expectations, of course, whenever a uh, John Huffnagel, Dave Dickinson-led team take to the field and we're excited for week one action tonight. I can't wait to uh, to watch this one. It looks like the weather is going to be absolutely outstanding at McMahon Stadium. We've been getting you set all week along with our stamps reports with Matty Rose and Patrick Dumas. And very happy to keep that going this afternoon. Welcome back to Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you and joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, one of our wonderful Stampeders reporters here on the station. It is uh patty dumont joining us this afternoon patty thanks for doing this man how are you
2: no problem buddy i'm good how are you
0: i'm awesome uh i'm stoked for tonight i'm excited for cfl football to be back and i think a pretty good matchup at mcmahon stadium set to kick off the season
2: oh yeah you going first i want to ask how you going i am going to be down there yep Hell yeah, I'd love to see it, i love to see it. Yeah, no, it's going to be an exciting one tonight. I mean, you can't, this weather is phenomenal. Like, Like, imagine if you were out east right now, it be, wouldn't be. would be fun right now. But uh, <laughs> we've got a clean slate of air, it doesn't look like there's going to be any lightning tonight, but yeah, it's an exciting uh, time. I think a lot of people are sleeping on this Stampeders team. I know Justin Dunk mentioned that with us this morning as well. It's. Uh, it feels like, yeah, Winnipeg might still be the class of the league, but you know what, this Calgary Peters team—it's young. There's a lot of rookies, like a lot of first years on the team. But it's an exciting time right now, and, and it starts with 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 Jake Mayer at quarterback. And I think, like I think we're we're we've reached it now where Kadeem Carey's probably the number one running back in the CFL. Well,
0: let's start with Jake Mayer. That's the big story. It's one cool. we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. This is finally Jake's team. There's, you know, with all due respect to the young guys that came in or to Tommy Stevens. Uh, Jake was paid last year to be the guy, Bo Levi Mitchell has moved on. There's really no question when it comes to who's going to be the starter unless you're talking about an injury. Mm-hmm. What are the expectations? What is a reasonable expectation in your mind for Jake Mayer heading into this first full season with no other you know, quarterback in the room? He's the guy for the first time for the Calgary Stampeders
2: can kind of take your expectations from last year and you saw what and and, and the years previously with, with what jake Mayer can do he stepped in admirably admirably well at points when when Bo Levi mitchell was down and i think you can your 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 expectations can be can be fair for this i think he can be a. I think there's a good chance he can be right up there with the top echelon quarterback in this league like zach calaros i mean really like who are we looking at in this league at a quarterback? It's it's such a mishmash, like mishmash after Zach Kolaros right now. So you look at it like, well, Jake Mayer, he's been in that system for a while. He's got Dave Dickinson. He's got John Huffnagel, Like, it, this is, we've Logan. You know, it, the quarterback position here, really since Henry Burris, it's been solid. And even like a little bit previous, there's a little bit of a wall there in 04, But it's been a solid position here for so long. And I think Jake Mayer is going to do pretty well.
0: Uh, you mentioned uh, the guy behind him as well. Uh, that's going to be uh, Kadeem Carey. That's one guy that is uh, staying from last year who had an outstanding uh, season last year and would like to expand on it even a little bit more. Uh, leading the league in rushing can be one thing, but uh, Kadeem Carey has MOP aspirations. Do you think, uh, I heard you say this there, you think he could be you know, the top running back in the CFL this season? Mm. Do you think uh, Kadeem yeah. Carey has that kind of potential to to find another level with this team even?
2: Oh yeah, I mean like it's 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 we saw it last year at the the second half of the season with when, when when the running started going with Kadeem Carey the offense started clicking with the Calgary Stampeders. Peters. They they scored the most points last year of any team in the league. I think, you know, people forgot about that. They did score a lot of points last year. Kadim was a big part of that. And you can spell Kadim really well with Peyton Logan as well. Uh you'll, you'll if you saw the depth chart, I'm sure we'll get into that here in a little bit. You'll see that Oh, he's listed as a backup. He's not really a backup. It's just this new designated American thing that nobody really understands yet. Uh, but yeah, no, he's just—he's got a good, good guy that can spell him in Peyton Logan. And he mentioned like touches. He doesn't just want to run the ball, pound the ball. This guy can. Uh, this is a guy that can be involved in the passing game, and I think he can help Jake Mayer and, and in that aspect as well.
0: Uh, let's let's dive into that depth chart thing because I know it raised uh. a lot of eyebrows for a lot of people. Uh, even looking at it now, I still don't quite understand it myself but uh let's try to get to dive into it here's uh, head coach Dave Dickinson uh yesterday talking about the new CFL roster rules and we'll uh talk about how it impacts the Stan Peters death chart this week uh, after
3: this clip here patty it is a little tiny bit confusing for sure um so basically when the cBA came in they tried to give uh, us coaches a little bit of roster flexibility so uh What I would consider a veteran American that is not a starter, can play a certain amount of snaps for a Canadian, uh, and it's 23. And so now you got to figure out how to make sure, I guess, if you want to take advantage of it, take advantage of it. If not, because in our situation, we'll probably just play the game. Um, Play the guys that you think can execute the calls and not worry about it. But there is that rule in there, and that is part of the reason our, our starting lineup will look a little bit different because we need to have guys that have been here a while not start to, to fit that category. So I'm sure that's added zero clarity. Yeah. It'd so, be nice if the league and the PA, because it's this is a PA thing, it'd be nice if these guys talk to you guys and hopefully they can uh, explain their reasoning and, all the, and why we're trying to do this.
0: <laughs> so if you're as confused <laughs> as the rest of us were listening to head coach Dave Dickinson yesterday, uh, try to explain it. The The best way that I've been told, Patty, and the best way that I've kind of heard it is you're going to have these designated Americans who are everyday starters and are every play kind of guys, but they can't be out there essentially for the first play sort of thing. Like They can't be the starter on the roster. That's oh why God. we've seen uh, Peyton Logan getting the technically the start at running back, uh, Michael Griffin starting at safety, even though uh, Dozier and Carey, the designated Americans behind them, we know will be out there for the majority of the plays for the Calgary Stampeders. I don't know if you've got any more clarity, if you had anything pop up to you that's made this a little bit more clear. I know it's been a big point of contention early on uh, across the CFL. People just not in love with this.
2: Yeah, it is. It's really confusing, and it's something that, you know, we really was just. Kind of was brought to light there a couple days ago at practice when asked about it. We were heading in this completely unknown, and now that you see it on the depth chart, it's like okay, well, this is weird. You, meant, you heard Dave mention there they can do 23 touches a game um, in any in special teams or whatever aspect they are, offense or defense or whatnot, and it, it, it's it's kind of it's limiting. It really does limit the because right now we're seeing more Canadian talent at skill positions in this league than ever before. Uh, it, it, you see it all over. You see it in the San Peters team. There's Canadians starting. Uh, there'll be one starting tonight. There's Luther Hakunavano. There's Clark Barnes you know it it's it's all across the league canadians are playing more and more and especially in the skill positions not just along the o line and d line it's it's just it's super confusing and it, the funny thing is the cba where it's all where it's all in and locked in it's not a made public to uh for us to view so it is just so weird Well, maybe there's something on the broadcast tonight that they can explain it a little bit better than what we can so far, it's just been, it's just been a mess. And uh, we'll see how it, how it affects them. Uh, Dave mentioned, it's not going to change much things, but then if you go look at the BC lions roster, they designated their punter as an American. So I, I really can't get to the bottom of it. Maybe we'll find out a little bit more tonight, but it, it just, it just adds another wrinkle to an uh, annoyance that the CFL can do to its fans. where hey, here's a new random rule and not have anybody really explain it to anybody. So uh, apologies to the fans if you are confused. But but do not worry. Peyton – or, sorry, Kadeem Carey, Brandon Dozier, they will play eventually tonight. But it is confusing, especially with the CFL trying to branch into uh, into gambling more. You want to take uh, somebody who's never watched a game before or is getting really small info or whatnot. They want to bet the Kadeem Carey over yards tonight. And they see he's listed as a backup. Hmm. What's that going to do to it? So it's just it's just a little bit confusing. Hopefully there's going to be some clarity provided after we get the first game tonight and, and the league and, and the broadcaster's going to explain it to everybody.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that as well. And I know even our pals at the CBS Sports were picking up mm-hmm. Stan Peters games. Our guy Emery Hunt is going to be covering the games. I know from an American standpoint too, you want to try mm-hmm. to branch into that market. Okay, Kadim Carey is a guy that was a Chicago Bear oh, yeah. draft pick. You know, a familiar name to some perhaps tuning in uh you get these sort of depth charts and these sort of things out there it only makes it more confusing and we know if the product is confusing and hard to follow people just aren't going to tune in
2: yeah it it is kind of it it does mess up with things like that but hopefully it's not hopefully like again we get we get some clarification tonight and kadim will be out there sooner rather than later it's just it's a weird wrinkle to this weird sometimes quirky fun league
0: uh, yeah. As we head into week one, Patty, uh, an actual you know update on injuries. Pretty healthy yeah. roster overall for the Calgary Stampeders. They'll have to make a couple changes. Obviously, we mentioned Peyton Logan uh, in there. As Dedrick Mills hits the one-game injured list. That's the same for starting left guard Zach Williams. And I believe uh, you mentioned that Jamerson, the halfback for the Stampeders, is going to be listed as a game-time decision.
2: Yeah, that's something to watch at the, uh, at the halfback spot tonight. Now, Charles Ramerson listen's game time. He got banged up in practice earlier on this week, uh, but, uh, he was at pra- he was at walkthrough yesterday, participated. So, so we'll see could be, could be good for him tonight. And, uh, Zach Williams, it's been a, it's been a rough camp for him. He hasn't been able to uh, get into a lot of action. He's been mainly working off, uh, to the side, either individually or the trainer or another injured player. Uh, but he got in, uh, at walk through, he, uh, He's mainly on the scout team, but he was back in pads. So it's good to just see that he's on the one game. And uh, on the sixth game, it was uh, expected uh, Jalen Philpott's going to be on there. He's going to miss uh, a good chunk of time, maybe come back around the August long weekend. Uh that seems to be where a lot of people think he's going to be back. Uh, and then Nick Taylor, uh, the, the recent all-star signing from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, coming over. Uh, he's still in kind of recovery from, uh, well, i don't i I don't know what exactly he is I know he's coming off of the uh off of the uh the Achilles injury last year uh or sorry the a c l last year, so he's gonna be missing at least uh, the six games to start the year
0: uh this was one of the bigger cuts uh during training camp, patty, and a lot of people were curious where it was going for the calgary Stampeders. no Derek Dennis uh we mm-hmm. thought he would be the guy there anchoring the left tackle spot for what was expected to be his final pro football season instead. That's a rookie at the position. Uh, DeAntony Demery gets the start. The six-five uh, left tackle out of Florida International will be your starting left tackle. Yeah. Uh, talk about the training camp that he had, and obviously the position that he's put himself in to be in the starting lineup for Week One.
2: Really, from day one, even from rookie camp, he was slotted in at that left tackle spot. Derek came in at the start of uh, a start of training camp. He wasn't in pads, and and Demery sat there, and Demery worked in his position and he consistently got better as the camp went on. He's not he's not a, a rookie to the CFL. He had some time with the Elks uh a couple uh, last year as well. So he's got some CFL experience and uh we'll see what happens tonight. I think he's he's fit in well during uh during the during the post season so far and uh or sorry, postseason. <laughs> well during the pre-season. preseason. Yeah, preseason. Yeah, we're not at postseason. We're not at playoffs yet. But yeah, no. Uh, Demery is a guy I'm really excited to watch tonight. He hasn't looked out of place at well. Obviously, replacing a legend like Derek Dennis is, is is big shoes to fill. And and that left side's obviously a little a little bit weakened. Obviously, with no Zach Williams right now. But. uh but I think he's going to fit in well. I think people are going to be pretty impressed with uh, Demery tonight.
0: And uh, Michael Alway appears to be the guy to take over for um, yeah. Jameer Thurman at that middle linebacker spot. That was one we were watching very closely. He'll form that uh, interior for the linebacking core with Cameron Judge, uh, the most CFL experience out of anybody uh, fighting for that spot in training camp, and he'll get the start in week one.
2: Yeah, uh, Mike Alway, he just brings that leadership, brings that experience with him. And I think that's what Dave Dickinson saw in him when they signed him. It's just, it's a guy that hasn't really had a a foothold in a spot for long in his CFL career. I believe this is his sixth or fifth team in in, in as many years. So uh, trying to find a good spot for him. And I think right now he's going to fit in well with that defense. He's got Cam Judge alongside him. And, And Mike Alway, I think he was, Uh, I think he was probably one of the better defensive players to watch there in that final preseason game against BC. He came in in the second half. It was weird. They kind of flipped them. It was like a flip flop where there was some starters expected. They were playing later in the game as opposed to where you see, them usually at the start. And I think Mike Alway, uh, we know Mike Alway, it's it's a guy that brings consistency in his game. And I think he's going to fit in well.
0: Uh, Just a general perspective, uh, Patty, how do you see this West division looking? I mentioned it earlier. Uh, when we were sort of taking a look at it on the show and saying, you know, changes in B.C. I know Vernon Adams was there last year, but Nathan Rourke Mm -hmm. was the guy. Stamps now going full Jake Mayer mode. Sask has brought in Trevor Harris to replace Cody Fajardo. Edmonton still got, you know, an interesting mix there with Trey Ford and Taylor Cornelius. Winnipeg's Winnipeg, but (laughs) the West is kind of a really interesting situation to look at as we head into week one of the CFL season.
2: All across the league, I think we've reached peak, parity right now in this league it's a lot of unknowns there's new quarterbacks in new spots uh, Trevor Harris yeah he's, he's probably next to Claros the most experienced guy in this league right now he's going to be leading the charge of Saskatchewan but a lot of questions in there how much rope does Craig Dickinson have left uh, in Saskatchewan there up the road in Edmondson I think this is a team that's starting to take the next steps forward it's been a rough Rough few years for them in mean, Edmonton. They still haven't won a home game since what October of 2019. Yep, uh, something like that. It's insane, and I think Taylor Cornelius is, is could be that next guy in this league to take the next step forward as it, as it could be a really good quarterback. And he he's he's got helped out by Eugene Lewis going over there. That's that's a huge addition for them in the receiving core. Uh, Winnipeg's Winnipeg. We know what they are. That's 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 the most consistent group right now going in the CFL but again that's another year older it's an older offensive line it's an older receiving core they're going to be without Kenny Lawler to start but obviously they got Dalton Schoen they got Drew Wolitarski they got Nick Dembski so they're pretty good there and and DC it's, it's it's going to be different for sure I think with Vernon Adams we know what Vernon Adams can do when he's healthy and he can be one of the best quarterbacks in this league I think he's the most athletic quarterback in this league but it's just trying to find that consistency and getting him healthy and staying healthy. Uh, overall, I mean, I think BC might just be on the outside looking in. I think Calgary's going to fight there with Saskatchewan for the for the second and third spots. But it's going to be tight all year uh, in the in the West Division and even out East. Like Bo Levi Mitchell going to Hamilton, he's waiting for a finally a healthy year. Uh, Toronto's changing over to Chad Kelly that you going to be exciting to watch. I think, I think people are really going to be excited to see what Chad Kelly can do in this league. Finally getting his chance to start Ottawa, they're not going to have Jeremiah Masoli to start, but uh, I think once he gets in and he he can stay healthy, I think Ottawa is a team to watch in the East. I know they got the, probably the longest odds out of anybody to, to win a great cup, but I think Ottawa uh, is a team that's ready to take that step forward and Montreal, Cody Fajardo, uh, I don't know how that mix is going to work there with Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo in Montreal. They, they Did they really work well in Saskatchewan? <laughs> Not really. Like, like, right? So, we'll see what happens in Montreal. So, I don't know. Across the league logo, it's it's going to be a fun league, a uh, fun year. And I think all nine teams can really legit have a shot and say, hey, we can be that team in November.
0: Uh, It all starts tonight. Really looking forward to it. Should be a great night at McMahon. Weather looks awesome. Got a great opponent. uh, Hopefully, a big crowd there as well. Patty, thanks for the time today, man. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to more stamps reports and doing this uh, throughout the rest of the season with you, pal.
2: Anytime, Logo. Thank you so much. Take care.
0: Patty Dumas, one of our Stampeders reporters here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, getting you set for week one action Stamps and Lions. From McMahon, again, 7 o'clock kickoff. The weather looks fantastic. Get out there, support the Stampeders. Should be a great game tonight. Really looking forward to the CFL season kicking off tonight at McMahon Stadium. We'll have more Stamps reports uh, with Patty and, of course, with Matt Rose throughout uh, the rest of the CFL regular season, so keep it locked uh, for all your Stampeders coverage right here on Sportsnet 960. Before we get out of here, we've got some breaking news from the NHL to share with you. Uh, involving uh, former Flames GM Brad Treliving, uh, bringing a familiar face with him to Toronto. This is from Kevin Weeks, VSPN, uh, a little bit earlier on this hour. What's up, you NHL fans? Got to do this a little differently. Safety first. Thanks for being concerned. I'm told the Toronto Maple Leafs, breaking news, breaking news. I'm told the Toronto Maple Leafs are adding Shane Doan as an assistant to the general manager, Brad Trilliving. Again, Leafs are adding Shane Doan as an assistant to the general manager, Brad Trilogy, in Toronto. Breaking news live from I-95 in Miami, Florida. Let's go. Kevin Weeks uh, of ESPN, probably breaking a couple traffic laws, but uh, when you've got NHL breaking news, you've got NHL breaking news. And uh, Was he
1: doing that on the side of the uh,
0: I-95? I don't know that it was the side of the I-95, but <laughs> he was doing uh, something. Um, it's not
2: roadworthy He
0: was in a car I'm not saying I didn't This is radio, you didn't see the video, you don't know So um, he brought us that breaking news And that's uh, Shane Doan A familiar face to Brad Treliving, uh, From their time together in Arizona He is moving on To the big dogs In Toronto New assistant general manager Assistant to the general manager This is big if you're Dwight Schrute But not big if you're anybody else uh, Shane Doan, now off to uh, join Bradshaw Living in the uh, Big Six in Toronto. He's uh, currently was currently serving as the Chief Hockey Development Officer for the Arizona Coyotes after spending his entire career uh, with that franchise. His son has been drafted into the Arizona Coyotes organization, but now uh, Shane moving on and going to join the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, if you're worried about Matthews going to Arizona, why not bring Arizona to Toronto? That's one way to do it, perhaps. Uh, I don't think you can bring the weather there, though. That's the only... You can't really recreate the desert. That would be the only... Or the golf courses. No, no. I mean, you can try. You can... It's an interesting point. I don't know how many other Arizona things you can bring to Toronto, but Shane Doan's a pretty good piece uh, to bring with him. But that's, uh, that's the latest from Kevin Weeks of ESPN. Uh... Brad Trilliving making his first uh, splash in Toronto, and that's bringing uh, former Arizona Coyote uh, Shane Doan to be his assistant in Toronto. And uh, we shouldn't be surprised about that news here in Calgary. Brad has a long history of finding spots for uh, his guys in organizations. First one that should come to mind is Don Maloney, who is now the president of Hockey Ops for the Calgary Flames. Uh, You'll remember he was let go as GM of the Arizona Coyotes, only to bounce back uh, in a few months with the Calgary Flames underneath Brad Trilliving as an assistant GM, or not an assistant GM, but in another role, excuse me, uh, with the team and then eventually off to president of hockey ops. So we know Brad Trilliving likes to take care of his own and uh, no doubt an expanded role now for Shane Doan in a much bigger market. He gets out of that mess that is the Arizona Coyotes playing in a college stadium and goes to perhaps one of the biggest And most noteworthy NHL teams anywhere across the league in the Toronto Maple Leafs. So once again, Kevin Weeks reporting that Shane Doan uh, set to join Brad Trilliving's staff as an assistant to the GM with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So uh, that's the big news today. Of course, still getting used to and getting ready for uh, tonight's matchup in the Stanley Cup final. Quick reminder, it's a 6 p.m. puck drop tonight for the Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. First time back in Florida since 1996, I don't think most people in this room uh, were even alive or thoughts at that point. Uh, so it's been a while. Excited to see what FLA Live Arena's got uh, going tonight. I think they've got flow Rida as a concert tonight or for Game 4 or something. So Gotta have
2: flow Rida in Florida.
0: That's very on-brand for them. Good for them. That should be fun. Um, we'll see Brad Gogutis in the lineup tonight. He is playing. Sergey Bobrovsky gets the start for the Panthers Uh, Lose this one, and it's all but good night. Uh, Good night, you get it? Vegas Golden Knights. Pretty good. Good Bit of a reach, but it's pretty good. Good night. If you lose this one, Florida. Yeah. Better than that
2: stupid Unite the Realm tag that Vegas is rolling with right now.
0: (laughs) Shut up. They can do whatever they want. Unite the Realm?
2: Like, it's so far of a reach. Like, I get it works, but... Really the like three
0: times. You, night. They're the knights. The realm. They're, They're the knights. knights. You're doing it. You're you. Yeah. I, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate that. yeah. Yeah. That's my contribution yeah. for the Cam's day. Cameo in the- <laughs> I'm really upset about the, the Vegas Golden Knights logo. uh slogan heading <laughs> into.
3: And my burger comment yesterday. I'm still not over that.
0: Yeah, I love that you just interrupt the segment. At least this is the end of the segment you're doing this <laughs> now instead of mid segment just we're moving on. We're keeping it fresh. Yeah, I guess we are. Uh, what else has come this afternoon? Well, how about Hockey Central 960 uh, with the one and only Haley Salvian? She's got you for the next hour. Hockey PDO cast this afternoon. And you got two hours of Pat Steinberg, uh, Sportsnet today, and a Flames Talk with Pat coming up later. So you got two hours of Steinberg this afternoon. Uh, and a quick reminder me and Pat will be broadcasting live on location on Saturday at Trail Appliances. For the Calgary Flames alumni, Grilling with the Flames uh, Trail Appliances, 6880 11th Street, Southeast. Uh, you can come and meet from Flames alumni like Tim Hunter, Dana Merzin, Colin Patterson. You can even get a selfie with Pat. He's very famous and takes pictures with fans literally all the time. Uh, it's a pay-by-donation barbecue lunch with proceeds going to Brown Bagging for Calgary Kids. Uh, the chance to win a new barbecue valued at $2,200, so uh, Cam, you wouldn't have to go to your favorite burger place. You could just make one at home with that fancy new barbecue. Uh, me and Pat there from 11 to 1, uh, Trail Appliances, family-owned and operated for 48 years with barbecues in stock, including Napoleon. For more details, visit sportsnet.ca slash 960. Thank you to Patty Duma. Thank you to Bill Meltzer for joining us this afternoon. Thank you to all my outstanding producers, Callum, Cam, Azam, uh, for their great work this afternoon. We will be back tomorrow, same time, same place, right here. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan.